Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody gave me a, a testimony sometimes two weeks ago. She said she went to get a result from her school and the man that picked her up to give her lift out of the university after she had collected her result was one of our lecturers. I think he's a professor. And the guy was, was approaching her and trying to get her to go to a hotel with him so that he can mess around with her. He told her, let her any hotel, he can pay for a room of 80000 Let him just go there. And she said to him, sir, if someone will do this to your own daughter, what will you say? You know what he said? That he doesn't have a daughter, he only has sons. That's the level of the perversion that professorship can't exhume. I thought that would bring conviction. But he excused himself. So because I don't have a daughter, let me pervert other people's daughters. Do you blame that man? There's a spirit that sits in the air in this generation. It's a spirit of perversion. And that spirit is making its encroachment into the church of Jesus. But you know, I am glad. We, we quoted a scripture this morning. I will build my church and the gates of hell. Take note, he didn't say the gates. Gates. So the church confronts this gate and seems to be prevailing. Another gate rises. That's why God must keep teaching his church until his church rises to the place where they are so strong to confront all the gates. Because there are several gates contending with the church. Right now we are, we are contending with the gate of Islam in Nigeria. Manifesting as Boko Haram, manifesting as hearts men. You think it's politics? It's a gate from hell. One of the gates I want to address this morning is the gate of sexual perversion. It has come to the church. Men are building doctrine around their excuses and their weaknesses. Rather than exposing it, they want to justify it by using scriptures to sit around what is immoral. Hallelujah. That's why I had to get us to sing this song. Because I realized that the word of God that stays in your head cannot deliver you. It's the word that penetrates your spirit. The word of God is like a double-edged sword. What does it do? It penetrates. It is that kind of word that when it penetrates, you are in the face of a naked woman. It is at that time that kind of word will rise up as a standard and that will be your deliverance. It's the word of the Lord. Nothing can save a generation apart, apart from the word of God. We must exalt the Bible, the word, the truth of Jesus above every other knowledge in all generations. Because pseudo-knowledge are everywhere in the church. Men want to use the teaching of grace to excuse evil. Rather, grace should send you to perfection. Because what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, what did Christ come to do? Set us free. Grace sets you free so that you can approach. 
and become better. The Lord called my attention to something some two weeks ago. No, like three weeks ago. He said, fear, don't fear any brother or sister who has a sexual challenge and is willing to deal with it. But fear the one who is not willing to deal with it but wants to form a doctrine out of it. You know why? The moment a man builds a doctrine around an immoral act, it no longer affects him alone. He will sell the doctrine to a generation and pervert an entire generation. That's why you should fear that kind of man. And I said to the Lord, Lord, is there something you can do in me that can help my generation? That has been the prayer. Help me to help my generation. Help me. Show us what it will take to pull down this spirit. As long as Israel wasn't in sync with God, Balak had hired Balaam to go and curse Israel. But the same prophet that was meant to curse it, there's no divination against Jacob. There's no enchantment against Israel. Israel did not know what was happening. They were in the valley. But these guys were up casting spells, but nothing happened. The word of the Lord will rise from the mouth of the, of the prophet and block everything he was trying to say. But they found a technology to destroy Israel. They introduced strange women into the camp of Israel. As long as, as soon as Israel began to sleep with those women, God himself who protected them began to strike them. The, Satan knows the technology to destroy the church. Let me just introduce a little living. A little living, living of the whole Lord. That's why cancer if you don't deal with it as soon as you locate it, it spread from the original part to every part of your body and eats you up. Hallelujah. That is why we cannot afford that I'm standing today and I don't have sexual temptation. Does not exonerate me. If I have a brother in our camp that has a sexual temptation, I have a sexual te temptation. Can't look down on him. What I need to do is to stay around him until he becomes strong. But the brother must first acknowledge that he has a weakness. The problem of Jesus is not sin. The problem of Jesus is how you respond to sin. Because as far as Jesus is concerned, his death on the cross was not for a one-time forgiveness. 1 John 2, this is a right unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father who is a propitiation for our sins and not just for our sins but the sin of the whole world. So the blood of Jesus is still alive and available to perpetually cleanse his church until his church enters perfection. That's why as a believer you can't afford to fail. The provision for your security the provision for your sanctification and your consecration, your holiness was not created by you. God did it himself. He walked it in his own soul. Romans 1 verse 5, the Bible says, Jesus was declared with power to be the son of God according to the spirit of holiness. Holiness is beyond the message. Holiness is our nature. It's who we are. We are cut out of a lineage of a being, an eternal being, whose name is holy. So every time I find myself living contrary to that nature, 
I should know something is wrong. The challenge for me is not to give up. It's to return back from the rock from where I've been hewn. A piece of rock from a major rock carries every element of the same rock. Last night I prayed and I said, Lord, I exalt your name in my heart. I exalt your name in my family. I exalt your name in the heart of my children. I exalt your name in the church. You know why? Because of the myriad of issues we have handled in recent times. Satan seemed to be encroaching and said, can you see? We said, no, no. Despite of what we are seeing, we still exalt the name of Jesus. It's still above every other name. We have put our hands upon the floor. We are not going to look back. Because the determination to perfect the church is not our determination. It is his determination. Hallelujah. I saw a post on Facebook. Somebody said a post. He said, he said um, a man of God is not bigger than his prayer life. And three people were putting comments and I added my comment. I said, no, a man of God is not bigger than his consecration. Any parrot can pray. Anybody can heal. Anybody can do miracles. That's on that day. Jesus said, depart from me, workers of iniquity. You think it was fake miracle? It was genuine miracles. He said, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. Do you know what it means to walk iniquity? To walk iniquity is to enter a system that is pure and create sin in that same system. That's what Satan did. He was in heaven where there was no iniquity. He created iniquity. That's why his banishment is eternal. There's no place for repentance. And he has sworn and made up his mind that he's going to desecrate the church of Jesus until the church becomes weak. A weak church, check, is founded in lack of consecration. We're having some discussion with some brothers last week. And I said, I sense in my heart that there's a major move that is coming upon the church and even us as a local assembly need to hear it. But I sense God is calling us to some deeper levels of consecration. We're standing here. Because every time God wants to transit you, one of the things he does is increase your level of consecration. Because what keeps a man in the midst of spiritual height is called consecration. You can't afford to lose it. And you know our consecration there's a general consecration but depending on the kind of ministry that God is calling you into there's a level of consecration for that kind of ministry hallelujah I trust God that he will cleanse his house today and he will purify his church because he has loved us with an everlasting love Jesus said in John 15 he said, you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. John 17, sanctify them by your word, for your word is truth. There's no other way to cleanse the church by elevating the truth of the word of God. That's the only way to keep the church clean. And by the grace of God, we have heard truths in this house. Now, if Satan has determined to encroach this territory, then you know the level of the warfare. Warfare is not accident alone. Warfare is not sickness alone. 
every attempt to desecrate you as a matter of fact is the highest form of warfare because the moment you are desecrated in the spirit you lose power Zechariah chapter 3 I want to start from there God is raising a righteous breed, a righteous generation. There's no going back. Before I read, let me say this. The you that we see is not the real you. The real you is your posture in the spirit. Please, if you get this understanding, the way you will conduct yourself on this earth will change. And I will show you from, 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 from sorry, Zechariah chapter 3. Did I say Joshua? Zechariah, good. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest from verse 1 standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. What gave Satan the entrance? And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head so that, so they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. Listen, Satan doesn't care if you are standing before an angel. It doesn't stop him from entering. Remember in the book of Job, the Bible says when the sons of God gathered, that Satan came in their midst. He was standing before an angel, but the Bible says Satan stood by his right hand. The right hand is a symbol of strength and power. He stood there to do what? To oppose him. Why? The guy was a high priest in Israel during the reign of the, the governor, what's the name of Joshua? No, Joshua was the high priest. Zerubbabel. In the days of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and the temple, that was the season when Zechariah prophesied. Now, God was not just particular about the rebuilding of the physical structure. God realized that no matter how big the edifice is, no matter how glorious and the grandeur of that physical building, the building that he was focusing on is the priest that sits and rules in that building. The high priest. So I can't build the physical and not focus on the spiritual. So what we saw us read here is not physical. It was his place in the spirit. Nobody, who sees Satan physically? It was a spiritual posture God was addressing. But do you know in the temple and everyday life, he was living like a normal man preaching and giving direction because the, the mandate 
was for Zerubbabel and Joshua. In the days of Haggai, Zechariah, all these guys were prophesying at the same time, commanding the people of God to build the walls and the temple. But the priest who was governing Israel in the days of the captivity, as a result of what happened, because there was no law any longer in the land, had become desecrated. So when God came to address, he focused on the high priest. Satan had a legal ground to oppose him. And the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. When he did that, he didn't abandon his servant. He went to his servant to deal with the root cause of the opposition. Hallelujah. God doesn't pluck leaves. He deals with roots so that he doesn't produce the kind of leaves you see on the tree. So he went to the source. This guy, you are being opposed because of your posture in the realm of the spirit. And he said, he has a filthy garment. If I was living with Joshua, I would never know. Joshua may still be speaking in tongues. Joshua still be coming in church gallantly. But I don't know that Joshua is sick. Joshua, my brother, is dying. But the word of the Lord found him in the spirit. And said, change the garment. Remove this filthy one. Did you notice he didn't say wash it? God doesn't patch. God doesn't do patch patch. Every time God comes, He cleanses. And His pattern of cleansing is a changing of robe. So remove the robe and say, Give him a brand new one. There was no place sitting there that Joshua prayed for it. But the Lord, who has determined to establish His counsel over Jerusalem, went to meet His servant. Change the robe, then change the toban. Hallelujah. So a time may come in your life as a believer. We know you to be a believer. You didn't set out to live a filthy life. Your heart desire was Jesus. In your pursuit and quest for the things of God. The tendency for you to stumble is still there. The tendency for you to compromise is still there. Because from the day you gave your life to Jesus, a work of transformation of your mind begins to take place. And it's by the word of God. So while you are a believer, there are certain cultures you came into faith with that still sits in your mind. Your spirit is born again. Your spirit is clean. But your mind still carries some pictures. Can I shock you? I've been the Lord for some years now. But sometimes Satan harasses me in church. Even in church. You lift up your hand in worship. He will bring a picture of one girl. 30 years ago that you had something to do with. Maybe I'm the only one it's happening to. Do you know what he wants to do? He wants to pollute your atmosphere. So if I'm closing my eyes and it brings that, I open the eyes. And I say, the Lord rebuke you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know what he wants to do? He wants to set in condemnation. 
The moment condemnation comes in, your flow in worship breaks. That's why you must know the word of God. If any man be in Christ, new creature, all things are passed. Throw that at his face. Hallelujah. Because he's a constant desecrator of the plans and the purposes of God. Now, the detail of what Joshua did, we don't know. But if he got to a point where he was desecrated in the spirit, not that his garment had a stain, it was a filthy, do you know what filth is? To be dirty is away from being filthy. If you pick a filthy rag, what you hear is not smell, it's called a stench. A stench carries some level of gas. Open the sock away, you hear a stench. It will slap you on the face. Joshua had become like that in the spirit. You remember that the anointing they place upon the servant of God when they consecrate them as high priest is called the holy anointing oil. What's the configuration of that anointing oil? There's myrrh. There are perfumes on it. It symbolizes how you should smell in the spirit. That your life should give God a constant fragrance that pleases him. But at that point, Joshua was no longer producing a fragrance. He was producing a stench. And God said, no, no, no. no. I won't leave my servant like this. Because I am the one that called him. Hallelujah. You will not know. Kai, do you know what I want to do today? Let me tell you what I want to do. Give me songs of song chapter 8. Songs of songs. Verse 10. Oh, no, no, verse 8. I'll start from verse 8. Please give it to me on the, on the New Living Translation on the board. But I'll first read from the King James. We have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister? And the day when she's spoken for, if she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. And if she's a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. No, this is NKJV. New Living Translation. I want to explain to you what it means for a girl to be a wall and for a girl to be a door. We have a little sister, too young to have breasts. What would we do for our sister if someone asks to marry her? If she is a virgin, that's what it means to be a wall. Like a wall will protect her with a silver tower. 
we have a little sister she just get to forming breasts i know in those days in israel the culture is that once a girl begin to mature you can betroth her and allow her to grow do you understand me when men begin to ask for her when men begin to woo her when her present biological development begin to call the attention of men and she's still a virgin what are we going to do with her we will protect her with silver tower that's one of the things i trust god today that we will do and henceforth because the fight is for a generation we must fight for our girls we must fight for our boys we must stand with them but if she's promiscuous that's what it means to be a door she's been opened up her high man is no longer standing there like a swinging door will block her door with cedar bar you know what it means to be a, a swinging door a wanton girl a girl who doesn't sit at home that's what it means she swings from street to streets she's promiscuous even her god did not ignore so we are not just out to teach and war to protect our girls who are still pure but we are also looking back and saying, even those that have been desecrated and defiled, we will return to where they are and pick them up and do something about them. Please keep it. Look at the kind of material that we are going to use to protect our virgin girl. Silver tall. I want four tall guys to come out. Where is the smallest girl in this church? I don't want a young girl that is tall. I want somebody very, 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 very accurate. Jimoke, come. You are not small, but just come. Which one are the guys? Tall guys. Please come. Tunde, are you tall? Can we win a basketball competition in this church? Enclose this girl. Enclose her. Put your hand around her. These are towers of silver. Silver is not an ordinary material. It's not bronze that you can break easily. So God is saying, we must get to that place where when we find our girls who are still innocent, this is our assignment to build this around them. It's our assignment, is the assignment of the brotherhood. If she is taken, it means this is not standing. Remember, I said, if our sister, she is our sister, brothers, they are your sister, sisters, they are not sex bags. Do you know the generation is so perverse that if a girl walks in the midst of five boys, they don't see sister. What they see? Sex material. Let me tell you how that is also trying to walk into your heart, brother. 
not every fine girl that passes by you in church is consideration for marriage. Take off your eyes. It is the Lord. He will call your attention to it. Because now I see something. We have brothers that any girl that just passes, what's the Lord saying? They start checking. Stop checking. Did you hear what she said? A brother came, she inquired of the Lord. He spoke. I don't know how for two weeks you are inquiring, you have not heard. And if you have not heard, stay away from the girl. Because I'm about to go into practical principles. Don't impress the girl. Don't, don't pump her up with expectations. Hallelujah. We have brothers like that. Every good girl that comes around them. Have you ever sat to say, Kai, every sister that comes around me, this is what I need to be. Brothers, this is what we must fight for. This is first fundamental. This is priority. Because there was a church that did not do this. Rather, they looked at them from a distance. They just run them down. Not knowing they were selling our generation into the hands of Satan. I was training some young girls some years back. I was walking behind them. And the Lord said to me, watch over that one. And I called her. I said to her, her father is a pastor. I said, Satan wants to use it to disgrace your father. Be careful. She always walk into fellowship late. Always just. Then, months later, I, I, I couldn't see her. You look for them, you, you can't find. It's called one tom. I didn't have this level of understanding. Six months later, she was pregnant. And she told her father that she painted it to them that I was one that prophesied she was going to be pregnant. So the father called me and we talked. Do you know what the man said to me? He said in their theological seminary, they were taught that they should not discuss sex issues with their daughters. That's the assignment of the mother. So he was passing blame to the woman. He does not understand that a father is a pillar to his daughter. Who should talk about sex with his daughter? Is a father. We should teach her how to love. How to be a strong woman. So brothers, every time you are in the company of these sisters and you are not doing this, this is priority. Hello? Having them as a babe is not priority. Because if you are sincere, and you are standing with God in protecting his heritage. If she is yours, he will speak to you and you will hear it clearly. Hallelujah. So I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God. Our girls are not sex bags. Their precious jewels in the hand of God configured for the nations of the earth. Some of them are Esthers. They need to stay virgins because it will be their access to the throne. And the only way a generation can be preserved is that they are in the throne. 
So that when the Hamans of your generation rises, God has gone ahead of Haman and planted an Esther in the place where policies are made. That's why consecration is important. What's your consecration? Because this consecration is not just, just the biological virginity. Every time you hear virginity in scripture, whether it's biological, it speaks of a spiritual token of purity. Hallelujah. Please, can you just skip that scripture for me? Okay. Is it there? Is it the... Is it the no, no, this is KJV. Please, you guys help me. Please. At least you can keep this for me. Thank you. God bless you. Now, I want another set of guys. Just four guys. Come here. Big guys. Even if you are not tall, just be big. Israel, don't even try it. Please come. Where are the guys now? Okay, what are you doing there? Chairman, please come. No, you. Please come. I want one more person. Okay. You try small come. Do you want me to be one Tom? You are wagging back and forth. You cannot be tamed at home. For promiscuity, but you know that's not your portion. You understand? Now I want you guys to ensure she doesn't escape that circle. Every move she makes, stop her. This one, there's much labor on this kind of people in church than this one. Because this one is still innocent. If we can keep our innocence, our warfare will be less. But this one needs a lot of intercession and laboring. You are calling, where are you? Come and see me this weekend. Come and sleep in my house this weekend. Come here and do that. Come and do that. You are sleeping the night. She comes upon your heart. You pick your phone. Hello, where are you? Because she's what? Wanton. But the fact that she's wanton, the love of Jesus can leave the 99 and go looking for her. And as long as we keep her here, we will eventually stabilize the door. What did he say? We're gonna bars of what cedar in the days of Israel. Cedar is the most expensive wood, it was the only wood that was permitted in building the temple of Solomon. It was Hiram, the king of Tyre, that transported it on ship and brought to Solomon. So she's also precious. So the kind of material God was going to use to protect her, you can't penetrate it. It's cedar. It's a precious, expensive wood. And these brothers are the woods. But you see, if you are going to protect this type, this type, there's some level of maturity that is required. Because she, she can sway even the pastor. The minister. If she penetrates an assembly and she's not checked. You know what she will do? She will defile the house. But God has 
develop a technology to check her is not to leave her by herself. She must be discipled. So, sir, her discipleship program cannot be the same like this. That's my problem with most discipleship manual. They are too general. A girl is struggling with sex and you are teaching her the cost of following Jesus. You must trust God to help you disciple her according to her present state. First, deliver her out of that realm that you can establish her in the truth of doctrine. You want to help a drug addict? You are using the same manual that you are using for general people. You must develop a specialized manual. That's why the materials are not same. Don't use the same material for everybody. Not everybody is the same level. So both of them have security in God. The blood of Jesus makes provision for both of them. Now let me also show you scriptures concerning the boat. Give me 2 Corinthians 11. I want to show you what God intends for you in the spirit. From verse 1. Oh, that you will bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in, in Christ. For even one comes, preaches another Jesus whom you have, we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. This has been a scripture for years. Guys, ministers of the gospel, when we see our members, there is a jealousy we must follow them with. It's called godly jealousy. Because if you carry the spirit of God, God is a jealous God. There must be that dimension of his jealousy inside every brother. That you are seeing a sister or another brother tilting in a direction that is, a, is contrary to the culture of the kingdom. And you say, well, that's our own business. So you are not jealous. You're not jealous enough. You must be jealous enough to say, sister, this is not what we are being taught in church. Why are you living like this? Where you need to shout, shout. When you need to speak gently, speak gently. If she does not, does not listen, don't say bad. Why not? Let them not say I'm gossiping. Look for Mamo. Tell the name of the sister. Tell where. Say how it is. Not because you want to gossip. You may not be able to rescue her, but a more mature hand can help her. Hello? It will be so wrong of you. You know why? 
The assignment is this. I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. It's not that I'm jealous because I am interested in you too. So I'm fighting that guy. No. The reason is this. I have betrothed you to Christ as a chaste virgin. So I want to maintain you until he returns. That's our work. That's our assignment. So when you see us pursuing and say, no, you can't live like this. My brother, I can go and sleep in my house. Is your life, Abby? But we carry a spirit that cries jealously. Constantly is crying. Because God has put that spirit in us. And by that spirit, we are supposed to present his people chaste. So every time we see, that is why, brothers and sisters, you cannot be in church and have a relationship your pastor does not know. Or at least your unit leader. If we want to go by the law, if you are a child, we can say, don't even say yes until you have spoken to pastor. Which if you are wise for your safety. Sir, I'm considering this. Can you pray with me? Because what the Lord does not show you, you may show him. Your company of friends, can you guys pray with me? But you just go and say yes. Some will say yes and bring it to their pastor to stamp it. And the way they will say it, they will quote every spiritual language to make you stamp it. Humility requires, sir, I am sorry I did not, I didn't put you in the picture, but I've said yes, but sir, can you still check? If it's wrong, I can back out. That's the man that God will help. You can't approach it idol in your heart. God will answer according to the idol in your heart. Because say, oh wow, beautiful girl, bless you. May your wedding be great. And you walk away. You know, ma, one of the things that makes daughters fight fathers or sons when they enter a relationship. You see a girl who is submissive, a girl, the moment relationship enters. Listen, sisters, let me give you a wisdom. Any brother that comes into your life and begins to take you away from church, take you away from your commitment in your unit, take you away from submission to authority, cut off from that brother. He's not orderly. Is not governed by the Spirit of God. But every brother that comes to you and says, Well, you see, yes, we have started, but I don't think it's right. Can we talk to Pastor? Let him also check. That's a genuine brother. Because every time Satan wants to shoot you, you isolate you. And I've made up my mind. We must be able to verify which department a brother belongs in church. What is his commitment to his unit? What does it do? Is it known among the brethren? Before you can pick enough our girls, you can't just walk in, hang behind there. One came, was hanging around, and came and met me and said, That one, you know, brothers like fair girls. I don't know what's their problem. <laughs> he said, That one, he, he told me everything. I said, Well, because he's acquainted with me. I said, Well, I don't know her. It's Pastor Chintok. She's a direct daughter. Go and see him. Up today, he has not come to see him. So he didn't have the boldness. 
he troubled her life. He will send like 50 text messages one day. Sister, let me tell you another way to know a genuine brother. He that believes does not make haste. If God has truly spoken to him, he will enter the rest of God. But when there's hush hush, sister, how far? Sister, how far? Where? Sister, how far? How far? Something else is propelling him. Brother, calm down. If it's God, he's sufficient to bring it to pass. You see that pressure? If you say yes to him, it's the same pressure that will tell him, sister, cut your lips. It's not because of Jesus. I just feel like touching it. No, he doesn't want to touch it. But let me say this, brothers. Even in a genuine Christian relationship, you ought to be doing this too. If she walks to your house in an odd hour, tell her, no, no, this is not acceptable. Can you please leave? God will give us strong men, strong brothers in church. Who know this is an odd hour. You know those hours when the sun has come down. When the breeze is cooler than before. When the atmosphere in your room is charged. I don't care even if you are playing a worship song. And let me tell you guys something. Let me tell you something about romantic atmosphere. The moment you are sitting with a brother that you are in love with and you guys get to that point where you are looking at each other right in the eyes, something is about to happen. Hello? What did I say? Something is about to happen. The moment you start staring at each other and he says to you, do you know you are so pretty? You are so beautiful? I can't wait for the day we walk to the altar. The moment you hear that, say, brother, God bless you. I will see you tomorrow. Let's not laugh about these matters. Because we have a generation where sisters are going to do weekend in the houses of brothers. And the brother cannot say, excuse me. Brother George, brother innocent, I need you guys to come. We need to do all night this night. Perhaps she was traveling and she didn't have where to stay. My brother, even if nothing happens, the people in your compound and your environment does not understand what you understand. The moment they see her walking out of your house early in the morning, they say, ah, we know them. You can't preach gospel in that environment. For the sake of the gospel, keep the sanctity of your relationship. You may not have done anything. I can come there. I don't suspect people. I can walk in see her at 6 o'clock in the morning. I say, how are you, man? How are you? I walk away. But you can't do that with an unbeliever. But I will certainly call you and say, why did you permit that? Do you know we can't preach the gospel in that environment? If the eating of, of meat will cause your brother to, to sin, why don't you stop eating meat for the sake of the conscience of the one that is weak? We no longer uphold these kind of scriptures. We just take advantage of liberty. Your liberty is an occasion to sin. Your liberty is an occasion to edify. Hallelujah. Because we also have a generation that put plenty laws. And I'm going there. Because we need to pull something down. 
So guys, it's our assignment to keep the sister safe. God bless you. It's our assignment to ensure she stays a virgin until her husband comes to pick her. He has paid the dowry. The church acknowledges him. Then we can remove the towers. Then he alone have the right to unwrap this precious material. At that point, if you like, carry her on your back in terminals. No devil can stop you. Let the world see. If they are so confused, show them her hand. If they cannot see the hand, tell them, she's my wife. That's why witnesses are important. Hallelujah. But, do you know the dignity and the honor? I'm going to go back to original intent. I want you to see where God started from and where he's taking the church back to. Did you, please sit down, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Did you notice that in Genesis, when God spoke about procreation, he didn't mention sex. It just said, multiply, be fruitful. You think Adam was not having good times with his wife? He was. Did God teach him? No. How did he know? The moment you are in the presence of God, there are certain things you will know naturally. That was the state of Adam. He knew how to name the animals. He knew you are a bird. You are this. When God put him to sleep, and the woman showed, God didn't say this is her name. He said, this is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Because when you are in the presence, you know automatically. He knew. Did Adam pray for wife? Did he know he needed a wife? But the one who configured him knew that animals cannot give him the kind of company that a woman would give him. He never prayed about a wife. He just lived this life. He was lonely, but he did not know he was lonely. But his maker saw that he was lonely. He was looking for something. There's something that is not yet complete. And God came, gave him anesthesia. He slept. You know why? Brothers, the best way to find out the will of God concerning a sister in your life, go to sleep. Stop browsing. Stop scouting. You will struggle with God. God put him to sleep. Remove a rib. Made a wife, presented it to him. You know the problem with browsing? Your wife, your wife will pass. You will still be browsing. You will be in struggle with God. If Adam was alive without anesthesia, do you think you will be telling God, no, this thing is paining me. Don't touch here. Don't touch there. God knew he would struggle with him because of the physical pain. So God put him to sleep and did a neat operation. And he met his wife. And God said, so the man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. My brother, you see that cleaving. George, come. You guys are standing here. I've released you since now. You don't want to go to the nations. Okay. Do you know what cleaving means? Excuse me. That Bible verse does not mean this. That's not cleaving. It's not cleaving. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse from First Corinthians 6.
I'll read from verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of Harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a Harlot in one body with her, for the two he says, shall be one flesh? Hello? What God used in Genesis, what God used for marriage, that the man and his wife shall become what? One flesh. He used it for the same thing concerning a man and a promiscuous woman. I dare to say to you, marriage is not what you do on the altar alone. The moment you begin to enter into sexual relationship in the realm of the spirit, you enter marriage but on illegal terms. Therefore, you don't have the covering of God. Let me say it again. The Bible will not use what it uses for married people to use for just a casual relationship. So when the Bible said the man shall leave his son and cleave unto his wife, and what did he say next? He said, and both of them were what? Naked and they were not ashamed. Cleaving to your wife is beyond just physical. It's a sexual interaction that brings you into a bond where both of you become one flesh. And the biological evidence of that one flesh is when you give birth to your baby. Daddy's ears, mommy's nose. Daddy's finger, mommy's breast. Did you notice that? So you will see two people in one child. That's one flesh. And the process of that production is called sex. It's cleaving. It's becoming one. That is why I challenge you to do a research. Every community where you see sexual perversion and they have children in like manner, check. The daughter of the same woman will give birth out of wedlock. Then she will give birth to her own child. Then you have out of wedlock. So you will discover that when you enter town, like Angwan Rukuba Abatua, you will see those kind of communities that are in the backside of society. There's no legal marriage there. Therefore, those communities are exposed to Satan. What you will see there, tramol, drug, teenage pregnancy, all kinds of things because they don't have the covering of God. You said it was just casual sex. No. The casual sex was producing babies. And those babies adopt the nature. I can prove to you in just, I know those anguas. So every time we permit that, we open up the atmosphere for Satan to invade an environment. That's why I tell men who are adulterous. I said, when you become adulterous, you don't know what you do. You expose your family to a spirit called the spirit of adultery. So your daughter get up one day, she's, she's fornicating, you are wondering why. You open up the door many years back. So it's so important for you to know. In fact, it was Pastor Chris in Cooking Church in Abattoir. Do you know his own definition of marriage? That one scared me. He said, when you toast a girl and your heart knits, then you leave her. You go to another one. You toast. Your heart lock up. To, it's called soul tie. You just, do you know what he said? He said, You are married everywhere. Because your soul is tied here, tied here, tied here. But to go a little further is this 
the moment you enter into sexual intercourse with a man that is not your husband, the only thing that can separate this covenant is called repentance. But if you stay in it, in the realm of the spirit, what they see is marriage. That's why I'm going now to the original intent. The original intent is one man to one woman from Genesis. That's why Jesus said, in the beginning it was not so. And what is the original intent? Give me Deuteronomy. You know, Pastor was teaching last week. He said, when God wants to address some issue, just use logos. Hallelujah. Just logos. Let's just hear the logos. Everything God says about it. And you will do well to take the logos the way it is. Don't say, okay, what's the rema? Let's che don't check anything. Just take the logos as it's addressing your matter. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy. I'm going to show you what God intended for Israel. And that's what he intends for the church. He has not changed. The fact that there's defect, there's compromise, he has not changed. 22 from verse 23. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a mind finds her in the city and lies with her, This is not exactly what I was looking for. Okay. Please go back to um, verse 13. If a man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman and when I came to her, I find she was not a virgin. Then the father and the mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as wife and he distressed her. Now he has charged her with shameful conduct saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin. And yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Then the elders of the city shall take that man and punish him. And they shall find him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman. Because he has brought a bad name on the virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. And he cannot divorce her all his days. But if the thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house and the men of her city shall stone her to death before she shall stone her to death with stones because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house so you shall put away the evil from amongst you what scripture is saying there's a culture that God enacted in Israel it is expected 
that an Israelite girl should be a virgin at marriage. So, because there's no scientific way of proving it, do you know what they do? When the girl marries, her parents gives her a white cloth. She will lay it on the bed on that night. The moment the man breaks the hymen, there's a spill of blood. It becomes the evidence that she is a virgin. Because there is no covenant without the spilling of blood. I want to say something deep. Please get it. Because our generation must be delivered. Every time there was a covenant initiated by God unto man, there was some spilling of blood. So when Jesus was entering the new covenant, he spilled his own blood. When Moses began the old covenant, the Bible said he dipped something inside blood and sprinkled it on the covenant. That is the way it is established. When God was entering covenant in Genesis 15 with Abraham, he slaughtered some animals and opened them. God's original intention for relationship is that a husband and wife will enter their marriage as virgins. That's original intention. Hallelujah. Church, is it possible to restore the original intention of God? Now, we may not give you a white cloth. But the Holy Spirit will place a white cloth on your conscience. I don't need the church to do virginity tests before you marry. If I have taught you sufficiently, the Spirit of God will bear in your conscience. If you cannot lift up your white cloth in his presence. It's even beyond that. Is this, do you know that why God enacted that? It was beyond uh, I don't want to marry a girl that is not a virgin. Who cares? Hallelujah. See a rough guy. He has finished rocking his life. Then he will enter church. Oh boy. And he look for a virgin. He's not born again. Then he goes to choir and sits there quietly. Quietly. And he say lead worship. Amazing grace. Wow. See anointing. My brother. Talent is very from anointing. We must be discerning enough to know when people come in our midst and help them. She said something, come the way you are, but don't remain the way you are. I pray, sisters, let, let them even come to church because of you. When they come, we will capture them and disciple them. Then they will find the original purpose why they came to church. That was beyond the sister. There's a bigger picture. So this, this, this is a covenant because marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. The sealing of that covenant is that white cloth. That's why the Bible says, though you have paid her dowry, though you have done everything, if, it is, if they find out that this girl was not a virgin, they will carry her, show the elders the evidence there's no blood. So there's no covenant. Then they will stone her to death. Hello? The Bible says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Why they are able to put asunder here is because by the ordination, there's no covenant. 
So they will take her away. But the kind of guy the Bible is talking about here is a criminal. The guy slept with her, this virgin her, then says, she's, a, she's not a virgin. I will not marry her again because it's a legal right if she's not. Then the parents will say, okay, let's bring the evidence. Then they will take it to the elders and show. See the blood. See the breaking of the hymen. My sister, I hope you are one. Your greatest honor and dignity as a girl, please carry it. Both in the spirit, be a virgin, and in the physical, stay one. Hallelujah. But if you have become one term like this, it doesn't undermine you. You know why? When he spoke in 2 Corinthians 11, he was not talking about physical virginity. He was talking about a spiritual virginity. The moment you come into Christ, let me say something. If you have been this virgin before now, the moment you come into Christ, you become his virgin. Because if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are past. We behold, all things are become new. Men may see you in a particular way, but one, he sees you. He sees his own bride. He sees his own virgin. You are as precious to him as she is precious. As a matter of fact, let me warn, there will be several virgins that will enter hell. And there will be several people who are not virgins that will enter heaven. So the spiritual virginity is the most important. But the physical is a token to remind us that God wants us to be chaste virgins before him. So every time you say a physical thing, it should remind you of the spiritual. That's why no Christian should ever desire divorce. You know why? Every time you divorce, it speaks of that your God cannot keep covenant. Marriage is a type of a covenant-keeping God. That's why Malachi said, I was there when you married the wife of your youth. You broke covenant. I saw the way you are treating her. I hate divorce. It doesn't matter the number of divorce in the world, sir. It will not change the scripture that God hates divorce. Sit down, sir. Now, let me narrow down. I've shown you the basic doctrines from scripture. God's original intent. We must restore it to the church. Virginity in this age is a possibility. Now, let me go down. That you are a virgin is not a guarantee. Now, as long as I've not broken my helmet, I can do some kissing. Because Jesus would nullify that your philosophy right now. You know, we believe that it's when you open your leg and do the thing that you have seen. Jesus said, the moment you look at a woman lustfully, you say you have done it in your heart. So, ma, is it possible for a brother and sister to kiss without lust? Brother, is it possible to be kissing a girl and that thing be between your legs will not become angry? And before you know your hand is stretching, Jesus said you have done it in your heart. Hello? So those who are justifying a brother told the sister that is not a sin as long as they have not done the main thing. Thank God you have not done the main thing. But Jesus said, the moment you consider it in your thoughts, 
Because this is where the warfare begins. This is where law starts from. Satan knows it. That we are teaching in church. Many people are trying. They are not doing the physical one. So Satan is doing something else. I was in a taxi. I saw a boy with his phone. I mean right inside the taxi he was watching pornography. Just, man, when we were growing up, to get a pornographic movie, Jesus Christ, you can do five years and not see one. But if you go to Terminus right now, by the grace of God, ma, as God gives us that opportunity, we are going to throw that nonsense away. Righteousness must return to our streets. If you go to Terminus, blatantly, those multiple videos, when I'm walking around that place, you know how I walk? Straight. If you dare turn, what you will see with your eyes? Do you know they are also postulating it in churches? That people should watch so that they can know how to do it in their marriages. Let me expose one devil here. You know what film is? Sir, do you know to produce one of those films it takes like five, five years sometimes? Those, who are, those of you who are camera guys, to capture a good shot, is it, is it at once? What they attempted several shots to capture and having captured it, they edited it to give a precise definition of that evil. They put it in a package and tell you to watch and go and try it with your wife. That would mean you have to spend like two, three days trying it. You may not get it. They say it's practice. Watch it so you can do it better. A pastor in this city began to watch it. He married a virgin girl. Innocent girl. She will not know. You have to be patient with her. He, he, was, he will watch and try all those things. But the girl will say, no, this is ab abhorring. I don't like this. He will get upset, bitter. The marriage packed up. His church closed. What was the target of Satan? Was it sex? Is to scatter the marriage and close the church. You need to know and weigh the gravity of your actions so that you can cry out to God. That one desecration can destroy an entire destiny. If you know that, you'll be reporting yourself every week. The moment you do, you say, Ma, I don't, I don't do them again. This is me. I've done it again. Help me. Brother, don't perish in it. There's enough love in this house to cover. There's enough love to receive you and cleanse you. Don't die in the secret. Satan only thrives in darkness. If you want to deal with Satan, bring it to light. Just bring it to light. The reason why the world will not receive Jesus, Jesus said because they, like, they love what? They love darkness. Because their works are full of darkness. I used to tell my girls those days, it looked like a joke. I gave them two, two laws. I said, when you are about to do it, just try. Just dial me and say, Pastor, I am about to do it. I said, but if you cannot, when you have done it, the first person to call, call me. And I have those who have fallen, man. They called me. See, when somebody has fallen, your message is not necessary. What we need is restoration. She called her voice was shaking. Sir, I need to see you now. When your daughter says, sir, I need to see you now. 
You drop what you are doing. Enter the car and start going in that direction. I went there. I said, what's the problem? She said, sir. She was, I said, can I help you? She said, yes, sir. I said, you lied. She said, no. I knew. Me, I knew. But I wanted her to learn softly. You did this. You did that. I said, you, you fornicated. She said, yes. And I held her. I said, meet me at home in the night. She came to the house. I began a sanctification process. Prayed with her, encouraged her, strengthened her, and told her, now. And you know, unfortunate thing, that was her first time. I was a brother in another church. In the name of, we're in a relationship. Brothers and sisters, what, let's say it again in this generation, relationship is not marriage. Relationship is not marriage. It's called relationship. That one you can divorce. You are not permitted to kiss her because you have not paid. The church has not told you now you can kiss the bride. How do you feel that you have kissed the bride several times? And then they say, now you can. Just say, Pastor, no, no, no. Actually, we have been doing it, but we can do it now. That's why, Ma, I am beginning to reconsider a thought. You know that thing that we start, I think it's a tradition. God will help our generation to escape it. We stay like two weeks before marriage or three days. I said, if you have anything against this couple, say it before that day. I think we should reverse it. The moment people start relationship, we should say to the church, if you have anything, the, why these people should not start courtship, let us know. You know why? He probably has broken the sister's heart. And nobody knows in the church. Then he proposes to that one. He breaks. Then he goes there. He goes there. How do we trap those kind of people? There's nothing wrong with somebody reporting him. Paul said, I have heard according to what the house of Cle is it Cleopas told me. The spirit did not reveal to, to Paul. It was the house of Cleopas that told Paul. Paul will say things that it has been reported to me. That there's sexual immorality amongst you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It was not the spirit that revealed it to him. It was brethren that went to report and say, Paul, there are people in our midst who are having sexual relationships as is not mentioned among unbelievers. That a man will have his father's wife and sleep with her. Paul says it's not even done among unbelievers. Corinthians was writing to a church. He was not writing to. So when you see those things, you know, I used to be very, very religious. When I preach these things, I preach as if it has never happened in church before. Until I studied the books of Paul. And I saw, especially 1 Corinthians, I saw that Paul kept addressing many issues and he wrote it to the church. I said, oh. So, you know what we used to say? Ah, in the days of them, Paul, man, the church was strong. The church was powerful. My brother, it wasn't all like that. It wasn't like that all the time. There were many times the church backslidden. Paul's problem with that church was that while that brother was sleeping with his God, his father's wife, that is how you will know there were people in church who had two wives. He was sleeping with his father's wife, not his mother. So all those churches who are telling new converts because they have two wives to chase one away, let them read the Bible again. How do you chase a woman that is 60 and she has children? Kick her out. The Bible says God is a God of peace. If you kick her out, her her sons will beat her against you. You can't preach the gospel. What you do, you say, Oga, you have married two. Now you are in Christ. Don't add the third one. But the only thing is that he cannot be a leader in church. 
Because in the Gentile church, when Paul came, they were already pervert people. They had three wives. They had two wives. And they came to church. And Paul said, now the church is the ground and the pillar of truth. We want to set the new standard. If any man desires to be an elder, let him be a man of one wife. So if they didn't have many wives, why would he raise the standard of one wife? There were people in church who had more than one wife. Paul didn't chase them away. He only lifted up the new standard. You know why? Leaders must show example for the preceding generation that this is the new order. No more two wives. But you can't scatter marriages. Wound homes in the name of your forceful doctrine. They were in ignorance when they did it. So my brother and my sister, we are not condemning you, we are not judging you. In case you are already caught. You know this guy in 1 Corinthians 5? What did the Bible say about him? The Bible said, what Paul's problem was not that the guy slept with his father's wife. Paul's problem was that they were arrogant in the midst of it. They were not mourning. Can we read it? It is reported commonly that there's notice, it is reported commonly. It has become common. That there's fornication among you and such fornication as it is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and ye are puffed up. Oh God. It's an unrepentant generation. You know what it means? Oh boy, half an hour. Oh boy, I just quaffed my father's wife yesterday. Oh boy. That's what it means to be puffed up. You are arrogant in the midst of sin. You are boasting. When we are unbelievers, we live like that. The moment you get one girl, all your friends must say, oh boy, I don't get her. How about? Your guys say, Baba. That's what it means to be puffed up. And have not rather mourned. Listen, when you fall into sin, don't be quick to get up and say, Ah, oh, God is merciful. Ah, oh, no, I've been cleansed. If any man be in Christ. There's an arrogant spirit with which you will do it that does not produce mourning. That mourning is called sorrow. The Bible said godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. Listen, if the sorrow is not leading you to repentance, it's not godly. If after you have repented, then you still have sorrow that condemns you. The Bible said that one leads to destruction. Is an accuser. Rebuke him. Rather mourn that he had done this deed. Might be taken away from among you. If you notice that Paul went almost to the Old Testament. He said take such a brother out of you. Don't keep company with him. Don't eat with him. Don't have fellowship with him. Take him away so that Satan will deal with his flesh. So that his soul will be redeemed at the last day. And churches misunderstood that. When they want to give you horror, they bring him in front of church and tell everybody, let's cast him to Satan. Cast him to Satan. No, no, no. It's an isolation that does not permit him fellowship. But the mature will visit to find you of restoring that brother. When the brother refuses and becomes reprobate, there's nothing you can do about it. You can only intercede. Hallelujah. Now this one brother, this one is said let him be kicked out of the church. Let him be given somewhere. Let him be isolated so he can be remorse. So that he can feel the pain of no fellowship. That's it and dealing with his flesh. Hallelujah. 
Now, give me Galatians chapter 6 from verse 1. I'm going to finish this message on 1 Thessalonians 4. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, I want you to notice, in Corinthians, the guy was not overtaken in a fault. The guy was already called a fornicator. Please let me help you, church. That you, you fell into sexual sin doesn't make you a fornicator. You fornicated. That's what it means to be overtaken by a fault. But when you begin to be proud in your sin, indulge in it and continue, at that point you can be tagged what? A fornicator. Because you are perpetually doing it and it has become a habit. But this guy here, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you who is spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. So, when a brother is overtaken by a fault, it's not ordinary people that restore him. It's the mature. Or else, they too can fall into the same temptation. But how will the mature restore? The mature may not know everything. But somebody must be able to report it. Hello? When you are overtaken in a fault, we don't punish you. We don't cast you to Satan. What do we do? We restore. Don't go and meet a brother that and this is how you are overtaken. Let me, let, let me help you. Please. We are born again. But our hormones are not born again. Our hormones are not. They are alive, alert, awake, and enthusiastic. They are always ready for action if you create the atmosphere. Hello? Take note of my word. If you create the atmosphere, your, your hormones will start reacting. And listen to me. If you ever encounter a surge of hormone to escape sex, it's difficult. Except God created a way of escape. You would have done it and realized, what happened to me? It's a surge of emotion. It's a surge of hormones. So when I see come on, let me leave you. You are, a, you are a special preserve for the man of God. Come. <laughs> Come, Martha. This is Martha. She's a beautiful girl. Her body is still alive. It's not dead like Sarah's own before God quickened it. This girl is still alive. If I'm holding hands with her, Maybe we just met as I playing. This is what I do. Let me tell you my wisdom. Listen, when I'm talking with you, I'm, what I see is a man. The moment I start seeing a girl, I begin to find my way. No, I'm telling you something. When I meet her, I'm seeing a man. Hey, Amata, how are you? I will play with you. You can push her head. But the moment Satan begins to call your attention to her femininity, he's telling you to look beyond the curtain. At that point, say, matter, the Lord bless you. We shall see tomorrow. You know what the Bible says? Flee youthful loss. The Bible did not say, me and matter, we are going. 
I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Blood of Jesus. Blood. No, no, no. You are violating a scripture. The blood will do nothing. What you need is obedience. Flee. I tell her, sister, see you next week. And if I were you, from that place, enter a fast. I beg you, from that place, enter a fast. You see this one week thing pastor is calling us to do? He's trying to show you a technology for your personal life. Is we'll do it as a church, but he's showing you a wisdom that every time you're under that pressure, enter a fast of consecration. Right from there. You know you can do an entire year. I told you guys something that I said, now, I was careful with my word. I said, for now, oh, if I see a naked girl, I'll walk away. For now. I don't know tomorrow. Brother, examine yourself. To know if you ask. Know yourself. I'm not always strong every day. The days I'm not strong, I am wise enough to cut off from public and stay a little bit inside and take refreshing from the spirit. So the moment you notice that, ah, once you touch again, something happens. Get a fast. Enter a consecration. If you finish your fast and return, the thing is still there. Talk to your pastor. If you talk to your pastor and he calls you to account, your problem is solved. Because that means he will say, Ah, you have this challenge. I don't want to see you with that girl. I don't want to see you. For a season, these things will not stay forever. While that is going on, you stay with the word. It's the logos. It's the logos. Stay there. Just keep feeding. You will get up one day and the hormones will mellow down. But don't stay there. You are watching television, movie. And the guy is removing button. You do like this. And you return. I've seen people. They return it. Some would like, it's because you are there. <laughs> My brother, your head is bowed, but your heart is looking. This is the wisdom. Obey the logos. Flee every appearance of evil. Just flee. Tell yourself, if I cannot put up the TV, I can walk away. Because I'm saying this because a time is coming where we may not be able to watch any movie again. Even Christian movies, they're sneaking those things in. 90% will be Jesus, then a little 10%. American movies now, they romance and kiss in Christian movies. So don't carry any movie and give your daughter and say, it's a Christian movie. Watch it. No, no, no. Sit there with him. The moment that place starts, lift up the scripture before your child. I say, you see that in Christianity is not accepted. But don't just, just remove your eye. I say, let's watch the 90%. A little living, livings up the whole lump. Hallelujah. I see Martha. Oh, Martha, how are you? Then I hug Martha. Then I go away. Oh, Martha, how are you? Then tomorrow I hug Martha and something says, stay a little bit more. Brothers, you know that thing that tells you, just hang in there. Satan never bulges. He comes bit by bit. He understands that technology. You know, listen, let me say something to you. Every time you get a sensation and God is calling your attention to it and a voice says to you, it doesn't matter, that's Satan. The, it doesn't matter generation. My brother, it matters. Nations are hugging over your destiny. You cannot be saying it doesn't matter. 
I said something last time that I taught you. I said, if you are in a relationship and the brother is attempting to kiss you, break the relationship and report to your pastor. It looks too hard, right? I realize that if you are not hard on yourself, you can't go far. It's not that you cannot marry. The brother was tempted and he wanted to tell him, if this is what you want to do, I, I, I just, then run to your pastor and tell him. Then your pastor will call him and restore him. I've done that before. I've met two unbelievers living in fornication. The girl gave her life to Jesus. I began to disciple her. But she kept going back and forth. Falling in the hands of this guy. One day I looked at her and I said, you are joking with God. That's all I said. That word entered like dagger into her spirit. Just, you are joking with God. Hallelujah. She went home and wept. I came and reported herself. You know what she told me? She said, that guy fears God. She doesn't know why he will not come to God. I said, well, call him. Let me see him. See, when we are dealing with people, let's engage our spirit, not our head. I called him. I gave him a book by Uncle Bayof for, for, for Famonori. I gave him a book. He read that book. He returned to me broken. And I led him to Jesus. And I told him, now that you are born again, she's born again. Separate. Part your ways. You know, now we're working. Let's continue. My brother, you will fall back. I separated them. But you know, something in my heart knew they were meant to marry. While I was watching, then the girl came one day and said, Sir, see this and this and this that God showed me. I said, Just hold on. Let's pray some more. We kept praying. When it became clear, I called the brother. I said, How old are you? He said, 30. I told him, I married at 29. Stop hanging behind that girl's kitchen. When you see the father, you run away. Go and confront the man. Tell him you want to marry his daughter. He was so afraid. He fasted for three days. <laughs> to get boldness. And he took more, took some people and went there. When he entered the house, the man said, Now I know that you are a man. He said, All this while you are sick, you think I don't know. I used to see you. But now I know. That you are a man. I said the process has started. In less than one year, they got married. They have a baby today. God is blessing them. Within that courtship period, I told them, I told her, never go to his house. If you are going to visit, go to his mother's house. People will meet in his mother's house. See, when people are children, please let's give them law. Law will lead you to, to liberty. Then we can set you free. They, kept, they were obeying. I said, if you must go out, go out in open space. Because if you fornicate there, then I know that is madness. Just go out. How much is meat pie? Then meat pie was like 120, Mr. Biggs. Fanta was 50 naira. 120 plus, that's 170. 170 plus 170, that's 340. Go to Mr. Biggs. Sit there. Talk about your future. Every propelling to, to always meet in a room is Satan. Is a trap. Why don't you enjoy your courtship in open fields? Where everybody is seeing you. And I told him, no more. She's not coming to your house. They obeyed. Eventually paid dowry. Few weeks to his wedding. She called me one evening and said, he has called me that she come and visit him. He said that he's feeling lonely. I said, devil, don't go anywhere. I said, tell him you are not coming. At that point, 
you know the moment you pay dowry something in you is telling you you have the girl I said don't go tell him to hold his pillow there and manage his life she called him and said she's not coming that's why it's good to have fathers in your life be accountable that's how they did nothing happened they got married they are blessed today another a brother came to me this week God blessed that brother he just started a relationship two weeks and he came and said sir we just started two weeks ago I've come to submit it so that I can be checked that's humility why is your own secret evil drives in secrecy one of my girls called me one day and she said daddy I need to see you I said come she came a man that watched her grow as a little girl wanted to sleep with her. Promise her everything. I've taught them. I said, the moment it happened, call me. She called. I said, come over. She came. And I said, give me his number. She gave me. I said, dial it. She said, does I have credit? I said, take my phone. Dial it. She dialed the man. I know him. I know his wife. So she dialed him. I said, tell him that if he doesn't stop disturbing you, you and your pastor will report him to his wife. And she dialed the phone, called him. He said, why did you tell him? Why did you tell your pastor? And he put up the phone. That was the last time. Can you get a covering over your life? Why are you so exposed? There are battles you can't fight alone. You need someone to fight. Some of you, your fathers are not believers. Your pastor is the male in your life. If a man is troubling you, you say, we will go there and say, oh God, because we are fighting for a generation is the soul of a generation we are contending for. Some of us made mistakes in the past. If only we had someone who held our hands like this. Now we have known we will fight and hold people's hands. But I cannot hold your hand until you release your hands. It's called submission. How can you have a pastor like Pastor Chintok? And have this team of pastors who are so loving. And you can't account. You can't tell what is going on in your relationship. What, what, what are you hiding? What are you afraid of? Rebuke rebuke is sweet when it comes from a loving father the son that he loves he chastises so he can partake of his holiness let's not keep it if you are new in this church you are just walking in but you've had a relationship before welcome we're not going to tell you to go and stop the relationship because we didn't start with you but at least the moment you make up your mind to be a member of this church come to the pastorate and say I'm a member of this church now I am in a relationship I want you guys to check. I want to submit it. Hallelujah. And let me also say something to you guys. You cannot be in a company of friends and people are living in a wrong way and you don't report it. Hello? You are not reporting it to condemn. You are reporting because maybe you spoke to her, she refused. Tell the, the mature. Then we can call her and say, sweetheart, what's going on? Why? We heard you are living like this. And you are not going to be bitter against the brother because it's for your good. The accountability circles that I set among the few young people that I've helped in my life, I tell them if you speak to the person, the person refuses to report it to me. A girl came in our midst, she didn't want to live like that. Everything she was doing, they reported to me. And I called her and I spoke to her. She, she was angry with the other girl that told me. I said, No, it's the order of our house. We love each other, we report it because we want to save you. She rebelled, left our group, went 
Today, she's gallivanting everywhere. Please stay on that cover. Thank you. God bless you. My last scripture. I am totally confident that if God has not left us without revelation, he's interested in our lives. When you are misbehaving and God is quiet, my brother, tell him, why are you quiet? I know you. Please speak. Every time you are misbehaving and God is quiet, let it bother you. Let it bother you. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1. Finally then brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandment we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Give me New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Finally, brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in the way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live, let me say this, take note, he said, as we have taught you. Soma, we can be encouraged that we have taught and the people have not gotten it does not mean we have not done our job. Is that we must keep reminding them. We must keep saying it. Paul said we have taught you. And he's encouraging them this time to walk according to what he has taught. That means that when he taught them, they were not grounded in it. They were not perfect in it. So he was canceling them again to walk in what they have been taught. Please God, as we have taught you, you live this way already. And we encourage you to do so even more. Let's go ahead. For you remember what you taught, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. That's what I want to emphasize. God's will. How many of us are looking for the will of God? You know, a lot of people don't know God's will until they want to marry. I want to know the will of God. No, you must travel in the will of God to some extent to discern who your wife is. Now the Bible says one of the will of God is that you are what? You are holy. It's not a deeper life message. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. It's the desire of God for your life to live how? Holy. For I the Lord, I am holy. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. God's will for you to stay holy. So stay away 
from all sexual sin. That's what I'm looking for. The King James does not have it. All sexual sin. Can we name them? Can we do a practical class? Somebody from this point. Mention one sexual sin. Masturbation. Mention one sexual sin. Homosexuality. Mention, please. Adultery. Mention. Pornography. Ha. You are watching, but you are not participating, but you are participating. It's like a footballer on the field. Sometimes watching football. He's not playing, but his leg is. Somebody is trying to head on TV. He's doing head like. Somebody is trying to kick his already like this. So when you are watching pornography, you are not there, but every move you are participating. You are desecrating the temple of the living God. Are you hooked on it? Don't fight alone. Can you cry out? Can you talk to somebody? We know you are a believer, but you can be hooked in these things. And it's not only brothers, my sisters watch it. Look at the madness that is going on in the world now. They've manufactured dummies. That if your wife is not pleasurable, how do you carry doll baby? Buy it with your money. Leave your wife. Keep it in your room and be sleeping with it. That is sweeter. My brother, is not longer a human being. It's called demonic possession. But that's the world. And you know they design these doll babies? They make them very pretty. But the righteous government will rise in Nigeria. We will shut our borders against those things. God is there to flee all sexual. Don't say I've not done it. After all, I got a post on, on a marriage page. I had to address them. They said, What if a lady is in church and she's getting old, nobody to marry her? Then she goes to the doctor to do what we call is that artificial insemination? And she conceives a child. Did she commit fornication? And brothers were defending that she didn't commit fornication. Listen to me. The kind of wisdom we are going to operate in the last days must be beyond this world. I sat there and I replied them. I told them that the only process that God has ordained for conception is sex. And that sex is between husband and wife. If the man is impotent and both of them agree, but they must take off his own seed and put it inside of her. They can't take another man's. Don't let the world deceive us. You know why? If they think, if she's single and she goes and they go to the market and pick the seed of a man as a donor and drop it inside of her, and she conceives and gives birth to a child. While that seed enters, the seed marries her because there must be a relationship. Her egg must mingle with it. One flesh. Because when she gives birth, whether she likes it or not, the boy has a father. It's just that he's not present. He's somewhere in the world. She broke a natural process that God has ordained to conceive. Yes, a man did not sleep with her, 
but she has taken herself and covenanted with a man somewhere she does not know and the child will rise upon the face of the earth and become a bastard and every day he's searching where is my father who is my father his father is somewhere in america but calling him is a sin against god believers are defending on facebook god don't have knowledge don't have understanding that's what the bible says in hebrew that through much use we are able to disarm what what is evil and good that evil and good is not surface evil and good only the mature who have become used to the word of god can disarm that kind of thing and scatter it because it's trick it's trick so there are sisters who are old in church and say, see nobody can marry me let me just go carry and have a baby he has a father the father's flesh has, has already intermarried your flesh that's the only way that baby can come you married illegally so you were desecrated the only time god permits that kind of process listen the the intention for sex was not first and foremost pleasure it was for procreation it is the wisdom of god that while you are doing his assignment you get some pleasure hello so those who dwell on the pleasure enter perversion I've, god told me something he said did you notice that everything pleasurable and sweet that i gave man is brief is brief any attempt to elongate pleasure will take you into perversion that's why those mad house boys everywhere they go they are selling those drugs to stimulate you you know why they sell those things they marry four wives so they spend the whole weekend sleeping from one to the other the demand is too much you you have one wife how can you be a man of god and have sex two weeks straight How will you do the work of God? <laughs> you don't know that even in marriage, God demands your time and consecration? You don't know? Oh, oh boy, the day I marry her, my, my case don't settle. That's what the young man is thinking. The moment that thought comes, cast it down. Because perversion starts from here, not the action. Every high thought, every high thing that exalts itself against the demands of scripture cast it down by the knowledge of the word of God. Ah, oh boy, I don't bear. It's enough. Jesus, don't come. Just wait, wait, wait. When I marry, my brother, you will marry and enter the thing and realize what Paul said. Even in ministry, marriage comes with its own limitations. So Paul said, if you, if, you, if, you, if you can't, just stay alone. Because he that is alone cares about the things of the Lord. But he that has a wife also cares about his wife. If you don't care your wife, you violate the order of marriage and you, divine the, you defile the covenant. So I want to plead with you. If you have sexual perversion problem, marriage will not solve it. It can solve it temporarily. But this word can solve it. Stay with the word of God. Pastor Tevye said something while he was leading prayer. Stay in intimacy with God. Listen, one of the fastest ways to quench sexual desire is intimacy with God. He that is joined with the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined with the harlot is one flesh with her. 
So, rather than joining with her, go and join with the Lord. This is what I discovered. I'm going to say something maybe difficult to believe. Do you know, Ma, that the peak of intimacy with God gives even your body something that looks like sexual pleasure? Oh, this is difficult to understand. If you have not experienced it before, that is why, Ma, when you meet a man of God whose consecration is deep and is constantly with God, if he's not careful, he loses desire for his wife. That's what the wife starts saying. He doesn't have time for me. She starts. When the burdens of the Lord take over a man, he will look at his wife and his. God will need to tell him, Oh boy, you are married. You don't know. You think when Enoch was working with God, he had time for so many privileges. Yes, he had a family, but he didn't. Look, when the Bible says Enoch was it didn't mean that Enoch was just going like this all through his life. Oh. But God had taken Enoch. When God takes a man, the pleasures of this world are shifting shadows to him. If he stays with his wife, is that he's keeping covenant. Go and ask all of them. They will tell you for months they don't have a desire. They are traveling from city to city. Ministering and praying. That is why, let me tell you, the highest point of weakness for a man of God is the highest peak of the anointing upon his life. If he messes around that point, he can fall anytime. At that point, he needs his wife around him regularly. It's not necessarily sex. That your wife is there to stay with you and give you comfort. You become sharper. A man said he read scripture. He had a program. He went to preach. The wife said, I want you at home. I need you. My body is calling you. He said, I have a program. Three days dry fast. Because the Bible says, when you are fasting, don't touch your wife. The Bible says, agreement. It must be consent between both of you. If your wife says, no, my brother, you better go. Break the fast. The guy went for the program, man. No miracle happened. Nothing happened. And he went to, to God. Lord, I prayed. God said, go to your wife. Go. Fulfill your marital duty. He went. Satisfied the wife. When he returned the next day for the program, power fell. Let's understand the book properly. It must be by agreement. Because staying with the Lord can take up interest for the earth. Paul said the world to whom I've been crucified and the world that is crucified to me. Paul had no pleasure for the world anymore. It is the will of God. Holiness is the will of God. It's not a message. It's the will of God. What did I say? It's not a message. It's the will of God. Every lover of the will of God must embrace it. Please let me conclude. Did you take it away from there? God's will for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Let's go. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Each of you should do what? Control his own body. But in 1 Corinthians, the Bible said, when you lack self-control, hurry up and marry. But the standard is self-control. But where you lack it, what happens? My brother, if both of you are in a hurry, the thing they do you, go and beg your parents. I'm sincere. Cut short the dowry. Or tell them, can I marry and pay the dowry later? 
them the thing they do us. Pastor said it. Come to him. He will call your father and your mother and say, well, they are about to die if they don't do it now. So want to wed them. Do you give your consent? You will see that all that hormonal surge will just calm. So the thing is not as powerful as you think. Do you know where the thing is? Is here. It's in your mind. It's in your mind. That's what the deception is. I want to bless every one of you who have come forth boldly to tell yourself and say, look, this is what I'm going to. God will bless you. And that's the standard of this house. We want to raise it this morning. That you are free to walk into the office anytime and say, Sir, Ma, I am dying here. I need help. Nobody will come here and say, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We have a testimony. A sister came to confess to us. That means the word of God is prevailing. Nobody will do that. Because when the priest eats the bitter herb, he eats it alone. He eats it alone. He doesn't share it with another priest. The Roman Catholic understands that if you confess to a Reverend Father, there's nothing, nobody will hear it. You like kill 100 people. He conceals it. Even if you kill his father. Did you hear what I said? Even if you kill a Reverend Father's father, if you confess to him, he will cry alone, conceal it, and lead you to, into confession. Servants of God, that's the challenge we have in our hands. An under-shepherd can speak to the senior pastor. There's no problem with that. So I handle this case and this case and this case. I think I need your wisdom. We need you to set an order concerning this matter. What do you think we should do, sir? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not for you to spill it to everybody. It's a secret you must keep. It's a covenant. It's part of your ordination. You don't expose the brethren anyhow. They don't clamp it and say, well, you see in this church, some of you, that's some of you, you are talking to somebody. You can't be an effective minister. It's not some of you. Call her into the office. Rebuke her. Correct her and show her the path. How many of you? What we're going to be doing this morning is that we're going to rise before we start the fast tomorrow. We're going to lift up our hands to God and consecrate our bodies afresh. And say, Lord, I dedicate this temple. It is yours and yours alone. I will not share it with pornography. I will not share it with masturbation. I will not share it with any person that is not my husband. I will not kiss. I will not romance. This body is yours. This temple is yours. Choir, can you find me a song that can lead us into that consecration? And while you are doing that, please, you need to understand that you also consecrate yourself. Don't be carried away. Are you having a challenge in a particular area? It's time to consecrate. Everybody everywhere, stand to your feet and lift up your hand to Jesus. He is in the house. His blood is available. His precious blood is available. He's the one that cleanses. Have you been defiled? Have you tampered with your consecration? In your thoughts, have you been desecrated? In the things you watch, the music you play, the company that you keep, If Satan thinks he can attack our sexuality, today we have exposed him by the word of truth. We have shown our people the way. The way that leads to the city. The way that leads to Zion. The way that leads to his presence. The Lord has revealed the pathway.
We are a new breed. We are consecrated to Jesus. We have an assignment. There's a destiny awaiting us. Nations are awaiting us. The power of pornography cannot hold us bound. The power of immorality, fornication cannot hold us bound. Adultery cannot hold us bound. Lord, purify us. Even those of you who are married, perversion can enter your marriage. It's not just for the single. You can bring in perversion and violate God's ordinance concerning sex. Oral sex is not God's ordination. It's not God. Lord, cleanse your church. Remove our weaknesses. Take away our shame that we may stand boldly before you. We are sons and daughters of God. We have been betrothed to one husband. Just virgins. Our thoughts are pure. Our phones are pure. The application on our phones are consecrated to Jesus. Our CD players, our television, our radio sets, they are consecrated. Those of you who are in relationship, consecrate your relationship. messed up in the past today is an opportunity consecrate your relationship to Jesus don't say it doesn't matter it's beyond you destinies will be affected it is the will of God that you be holy the will of God that you be holy that you bear your vessels in holiness that you carry your body in holiness and in honor it's the will of God it's the desire of your father stay away from odd places stay away from dark corners in the room the appearance of evil flee youthful lust don't stay too long with that girl in that room you desecrate your thoughts my body is your sanctuary